Hey everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. So in today's episode, I'm gonna, I've got a little bit of housekeeping to do, a few words of thanks to pass out. Um, I've got my first ever call in, and I'm going to walk you through my developing process for black and white films. Uh, a little while back, I talked about my C41, so today we're going to do black and white. Okay guys, thanks for joining me again uh, on what will be, I think, episode number 6, 7, something like that, I can't remember. Um, so as I mentioned, i just got a little bit of housekeeping to do first of all. Um, so just a few words of thanks to Mr. Mike Gutterman from the Negative Positives Film Photography Podcast. Um, I sent in a, a couple of questions to their, to their podcast the other day and listening to it back the other night. Um, he uh, yet again uh, gave me gave certain whitewash a, a plug on his podcast, uh, which is very kind of you, Mike. Thanks again. You you really don't need to keep doing that, but it is massively massively appreciated. It's good to know that there's at least one person listening. <laughs> um, so he was very kind, uh, just about my uh, involvement with sort of various other film photography podcasts and the film community in general. So that was very nice to hear. Thanks, Mike. Um, second thanks goes to Mr. M, M from Emulsive, who was the guest on uh, Mike's podcast, Mike and Andre, sorry, Mike and Andre's podcast, Negative Positives, the other night. Um, he, it turns out he's he's listened as well, so that's at least two people that are listening. Um, it's really nice to hear that someone of M standing is listening, and can I quote, says, the podcast is very, very cool, well worth listening to. Thanks, M, that's really kind of you, much appreciated. Um, I noticed yesterday as well, he's put together a little list of, uh, sort of active film photography podcasts and he's put me on there, which is very nice. And off that as well, actually, thinking about it, a couple of days ago, I got a, a little Instagram message from um, Graham at the on the Homemade Camera podcast, who also runs the, is it called the Film Photography Podcast Network, I believe, it's a website. The lists of all the, again, all the active film photography podcasts, just asking me if I wanted to get myself on there so that other people can potentially find me, which I have. And he's popped that on there nice, and that's right next to the FPP, which is quite nice, I think. So, yeah, that's uh, just a few words of thanks. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Em. And thanks, Graham. It's all very cool of you guys. Thanks for interacting. So, that's it for the housekeeping. Um, I've also had, was it this week or last week? I can't remember, but my first call-in. So I'll drop that in here. We'll have a little listen to that right now. Hello, Mr. Piper, and uh, thank you for returning the reality so subtle pinhole camera. I really hope you have had some great use from it, and it's been inspirational. So I um, I look forward to its return. It's coming with me to... Berlin for a three or four day break in early September. So I now have three 6x6 pinhole cameras and um, I think the next one will be a 6x9. So thank you once again and, and I know I've been on at you to return it but it's not been a problem really. So um, great uh, start to the podcasting, nice and short, that's what I like. 
these ones that go on for hours are troublesome. So well done, mate, and uh, catch up with you soon. Thanks. And there we go. The first ever call-in to the Soot and Whitewash podcast was from none other than Mr. Andrew Bartram of Lensless Podcast fame. And now the sort of owner, again, of his Reality So Subtle 6x6F. So we can draw a line under that now. He's got it back. I haven't got it anymore. It's very sad. But thanks, Andrew. I did have great use from it. It was really a very inspirational camera to use. Um, it was very sad to see it leave. But as I've mentioned, I have got, I've ordered my own one from Mr. James Gerin from Reality So Subtle. And James has been in touch to say that I'll be coming at the end of uh, this month. <clears throat> the end of uh, no, this month? End of next month. End of September. So about a month's time. Just hope that it arrives before I go on holiday at the end of next month. And what else did he have to say? Short podcasts. Yes, short podcasts are definitely the way forward. Reason being, I don't have to plan much ahead. I can have a few little notes and then just waffle on about those. So, cool. Thanks to Thank you, Andrew, for calling in a message. It's good to hear from you. I'm sure we'll speak soon. So, going to take a little bit, little break now. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about and process some black and white film. Stay with me. Cheers. Okay, so we're back. So, in an earlier episode, I realise this is all still early, but in an earlier episode, a previous episode, I walked you through in very bad audio quality my C41 home processing set, um, setup, and. The point being was to sort of help people to understand that C41 processing at home is really not that difficult and not much more of a pain than black and white. But if you don't already do black and white processing, then it probably did sound quite sort of strenuous, time consuming and maybe a little bit scary. So today I'm going to walk you through black and white processing, prove to you that it really is simple and you can do it with just a few chemicals in your kitchen and a few sort of household uh, bits of kitchen equipment so that's what I'm going to do right now so the equipment that I've used is pretty much the same as in my C41 processing um, just got three chemicals this time so we've got the developer the stop bath and the fix you don't even need to use a stop bath if you don't want to you can just stop with water I prefer to use a chemical stop bath I've just always done it that way so that's all you need, and those I store in uh, one litre bottles that I got from Ikea. I believe they're about a pound each. Um, you can probably buy something similar from most other sort of places like that. They are clear bottles, but I store them in the in a dark cupboard, so I deem that that's, that's acceptable. A lot of people will say, oh, you can't use clear bottles because the sun will get to the chemicals and they'll go off, they'll break down, yada, yada, yada. I deem that a clear bottle in a dark cupboard is perfectly acceptable. That's the way I do things. So that's it. Developer, stop, fix. Um, keep those, well, I generally at this time of year can use them at room temperature because in my house at least that's about 20 degrees and that's the process, that's the temperature, sorry, that I process my films at generally. Um, thermometer, uh, I'm actually using, uh, because I foolishly left my normal thermometer in my darkroom I'm actually using an old beer makers floating thermometer seems to work fine and that's reading I've got my camels out now that's reading bang on 20 degrees in my fix and my stop so that's it 
Um, those are just using normal kitchen jugs. I think I said before they're about 30 or 40p from my local supermarket. That's literally all we need there. Films are in the developing tanks. Um, I've got, what have I got today? Two rolls of Delta 100 and a roll of FP4. I'm not gonna keep you through all of that. I'm just gonna process the two Deltas. Um, funnily enough, they are actually the same processing times. They're both nine minutes um, in my chosen developer. So I use Rodanol. I use Rodanol for all my black and white processing. I know a lot of people will say, oh, if you're shooting this film, then you should be using this developer. And if you pushed it, you should use this. If you pulled it, you should use this. And if you're standing on your head when you shot it, you should be using this. I'm, I'm not interested. Frankly, I don't have the money at the moment to have a big store of all the different developers for all the different scenarios of all the different films. I use Rodanol, RO9, one shot. Buy it in 500ml bottles, and it lasts me generally about a year. And I have get... I've got decent results out of everything that I've ever put in it. So at the moment, I'm going to stay with that. Uh, so that's my developer. I use the Ilford uh, Ilfo Stop, I think it's called, Stop Bath, and I use their Ilford's Fix as well. The only other chemical, if you can call it that, that I do use is uh, Kodak Photo Flow, which I use at the end of my process, and I'll talk about that when we actually go through that process. Right, so... To actually get started, I use, and you may have, I might talk about this uh, in depth in another podcast, but I use the Massive Dev app to to process my, not to process my films, but to time uh, my developing. So if you've heard of the Massive Development Chart on, on the web, on the internet, it's the app version of that. So it, you can search through developing times for pretty much any black and white film that you can think of in any sort in any developer in a lot of different concentrations like i say i, I might talk about this app at a different in a different podcast because there's probably a podcast in itself the amount of stuff it does but i have it up right here now on my ipad and i've already selected delta 100 in 120 at 100 iso in rodmole 1 to 25. So it tells me that the that, that time is nine minutes. If you have pushed your film, it's gonna be longer. If you pulled it, it's gonna be shorter. I haven't pushed it. This was shot at 100 in, in Andrew's pinhole camera, thinking about it when I was on holiday. So that's great. So I've got that up on the screen now. And one of the wonderful things it can do is it can tell you the, the amounts of developer to water that you need so I'm mixing a thousand milliliters I'm mixing a liter for the two 120s and I'm mixing them at a ratio of one part water to 25 parts uh, developer and that'll tell me because I'm garbage at maths and I don't know where my calculator is that'll tell me that that should be 38 and a half milliliters of Rodinol to 961 and a half milliliters of developer uh, of water sorry now I use water out of my water filter. My water out of straight out of my tap is quite hard water. I tend to use it just straight out of the water filter. That's always at room temperature as well. It's always a bit cold when it comes out of the tap. So that means the developer is going to be at the same temperature as the stop and the fix and the final wash. So that's that's about it for my setup. Uh, I'm going to take a little quick little break now, and I'm going to mix up my one shot Rodinol. And then when we come back, 
I'll walk you through the process. Okay, so when we're back, I've mixed up my litre of developer. Seal the uh, Rodinol bottle back up, as I can see that's going to go everywhere. As I think I mentioned before, I do this in my in my kitchen at home. Um, so I don't really want to be spilling these chemicals everywhere because obviously we prepare food in the kitchen as you would. And I don't really want to run the risk of not cleaning up properly and getting that in any, ingesting any of it or any of the kids or my wife in, ingesting any of it by mistake. So that's it. We've got all the chemicals. Um, say so with developing tanks, and I'm sure you know this already, but if you don't, you might just learn something. Um, on the bottom of every single tank I have ever used, be it a Patterson one, be it one of those AP ones or some other god-awful cheapy brand, they will tell you, my ones have always told me, and feel free to correct me if you find one that doesn't, how much liquid it takes to cover the films that are in it. So for example, this is uh, my Patterson multi Real 5 tank. And it tells me that if you're doing a 35 millimeter or a one to six film, you need 290 milliliters or 10 ounces of fluid to cover that film. One to seven film, it's 370 mil, 120 or 220, it's 500 mil. And that figure that it gives you is per film. So I've got two rolls of 120 in here, 500 mil each, that's a liter. The, when you do it, when I'm doing 35 millimeter, it says 290. I normally round that up to 300 because it's just easier to measure out the, the chemicals. But that's just my choice. As I say, they're, they're normally the same. Um, it normally, whatever tank you're using, it normally takes 290 or 300 to cover a roll of 35, 500 to cover a roll of 120. There are some exceptions, and this has caught me out. Now, I have also in my hand, which I'm going to process later, um, uh, another tank. It's just got some FP4 in it. Now, this tank only takes one roll of 120 uh, or two rolls of 35 mil. And this tank takes 590 milliliters of fluid to cover a roll of 120. So it's 90 milliliters more. I didn't know that when I first used it. And as such, I only got two-thirds of my roll of 120 developed, which was absolutely infuriating. The reason for that is in the bottom of this tank um, it are little, I don't know what you call them, little bumps that as you use your swizzle stick to agitate your film, it lifts, it raises and lowers your film in the chemical to sort of mix it up just a little bit more. Good idea, but it takes more fluid, more chemical. Once you know it's not a problem, but like I say, once, actually maybe twice now, I have screwed that up. Anyway, another side. So let's get to processing. As I say, two rolls of Delta in here, big old tank, and I put them in there um, last night in the dark. So it's not dark, well it's almost dark now, but it's not nearly dark enough outside to, to turn the lights off and put film in. So I done it last night to be prepared for tonight. So just snap the lid off and I'm going to go straight in and put in the dev, the developer. Now with C41 processing, I've always been taught to put in a water, um, to fill it with water of the, of the correct temperature just to bring your film up to temperature and your developing tank up to temperature. 
Now, I've never done that with black and white. I was never taught to do that. So I still don't do it. So I deem that my chemicals are at 20 degrees at room temperature. I'm just gonna put them in. I've never had a problem yet. So over on my iPad, I've got the, the, the screen. Again, I'll talk about this another time. The screen popped up and it's telling me it's nine minutes developing, one minute of stop, five minutes of fix. And it's got big old green start button. So when I hit that, it will start counting down my nine minutes. I pour my chemicals in, it'll tell me when to agitate and, and so forth. So I'm gonna start now. We're gonna put the chemicals in and start the stopwatch. You might be able to hear it clicking. That's telling me that I should be agitating it. So the first one, I don't really agitate it much. I deem that the fluid in is agitation enough. And then I'll just start with the swizzle stick. I think for like the first 30 seconds, maybe a minute. So we're just gonna give that some, give that a bit of work, get that going. And then like I say, it's nine minutes, so it's sort of medium length developing time, I would say. Um, some of them are shorter, I think Acros from memory is about six minutes maybe, the last one I've done. But again, that depends on the, the concentration of your developer. Some of them are longer. If you push them, they're generally longer. And then stand developing is a whole different thing. We don't really talk about that. Not yet, anyway. If you want to know about stand developing, Mr. Matt Melcher at the Box of Cameras podcast has done a, a rather lengthy and in-depth and very, very interesting podcast on stand developing. By the way, Matt, if you're listening, mate, you need to get some more podcasts out. Hope everything's all right. We'd like to hear some new some new words of wisdom from yourself so anyway back to this that's the first minute done uh, i'm not going to keep you hanging on listening to me stirring a tank but um yeah so i'm going to just basically i'm going to agitate it for 10 seconds every minute and uh, i'm going to do that for the next seven and a half minutes and then i'll be back okay and we're back so we're almost up on the nine minute developing stage now and as i said this is a one-shot developer so it after the nine minutes it'll come out and it'll go straight, straight down the sink and here we go that little alarm signifies that's the nine minutes and out goes the developer Just shake the rest shake the most of that out and then we'll go straight in with the stop bath and start the countdown on the app again so I tend to pour it in as quick as I can, because I should really be agitating at this point. But I if I pour it in sort of vigorously enough, that sort of counts as an agitation in my books. So now we're just going to swizzle that around in the stop bath. As I said earlier, you can, a lot of people don't worry about stop bath. Um, they tend to, they rather just use water. It'll do the same job. It will stop the developing, but I was taught to use a stop bath. Um, that's what I always do. And I like the idea of the, the chemical stop bath, stopping it, stopping the developing process instantly rather than a water sort of just washing off and stopping it a bit slowly. I like, I think if the, if the developing time is nine minutes, then I want to give it as near as damn it nine minutes, to be honest. Not nine minutes and a little bit while the water washes it off, you know. So that's it. And that's a minute's agitation in the stop bath up. So the stop bath isn't a one shot, I can use that again and again, so I'll pour that straight back into the jug and then that'll go back into the bowl a bit later. Shake all that out again 
and then it's on to your fix fixer stage, which I generally give about five minutes. So I'll pull that in, start the clock, watch what you're doing, always you pull it everywhere. Like I almost did. Always worth doing it over the sink, just in case. So the fix again gets um, a minute's agitation. This is the way I do it, it gets a minute's agitation. And then five minutes, uh, one uh, an agitation for 10 seconds each minute. So I'm just kind of stumbling with what I'm saying here because I'm noticing that with my swizzle stick, the it's feeling a little bit tight in there. So I'm not worried about it, but I think what's probably happened is the edge of the end of the of one of the rolls of 120 is possibly not wound onto the spool far as far as I would like it, and it's sort of snagging up slightly on the inside of the developing tank. So it's nothing to worry about, because there shouldn't be anything on that very edge of the film. And even if it does, it should still get chemical on it. But we'll just carry on anyway. Might revert to um, inversions. I don't like doing inversions. I prefer the sort of stick because whichever, whatever tank I've used, they always have a leak somehow. But we'll pop the lid back on, and for this last bit, we might just rely on inverting. So that's it for this stage. Um, I'll cut the recording off. Don't need to. Don't you? Don't need to listen to me just doing that for another few minutes. And uh, when we come back, we'll. Uh, wash it and get it out and see what it looks like. So that's it, coming up on five minutes in the fix. And as I mentioned, I tried the agitation, uh, the inversion method of agitation rather than the swizzle stick. And as I suspected, it leaked. So not massively, and I've done it over the sink, so it doesn't matter, but just it infuriates me that does it. the tanks leak a little bit. So that noise, if you heard it, was five minutes up in the fix. So as with the stop bath, this is going to go back in the jug and I'll use that over and over again until it's exhausted. I've done a test, I can't remember when I mixed this one up, quite a while ago now actually, but a few, maybe three months ago. Um, and I've done a, you can do a, you can get things to test whether your fix is exhausted or not, but the way I do it is just to keep your snippings from your, your 35 millimeter leaders, uh, drop one in um, every now and again. And as long as it's cleared, well, for me, as long as it's cleared, so you can see through it within five minutes, that's uh, that's good enough for me. It keeps working fine. So fix is done. Now we need to wash the film. So the way you do that, there are several ways of doing it. Um, but the way I do it is to let it run, sit under running water for 10 minutes. Now it's not very water economical way of doing it. There are better ways of doing it, but for me, it just, it works fine. It works. It's the best way that I can find to do it for me in the space that I do it right now. So I think I mentioned this little bodge in the C41 tutorial podcast, but I don't have a mixer tap in my kitchen. I have a hot and I have a cold. One of them is bloody hot, one of them is bloody cold. And I need a wash of about 20 degrees, so about the same temperature as as my chemicals. If you don't, and I have done this before, I will warn you, if you wash at too hot or too, hot, too cold a temperature, or one of your chemicals is too hot or too cold, you your film will suffer from what is called reticulation. Now, if you don't know what that is, it's basically, it renders itself 
by looking at the film emulsion will look like a little mosaic. Now it's the emulsion reacting to the sudden temperature change. And I've done that before where I've forgotten to mix my, um, my wash water. I've forgotten to balance the temperature so I've run it under scalding hot water and it absolutely ruined a roll of T-Max for a project that I was doing on in university. So what, I would, what I've done is I've got one of those um, like bath to shower converter mixer heads. So you plug one end onto your cold tap, one end onto your hot tap and there's about six foot of pipe and then a shower head at the other end. So I cut that off after about 12 inches, about a foot, and I then run the hot tap, like such, and I run the cold tap, and then I fiddle around with each one until the water coming out of the end is 20 degrees. Should probably have got that ready before I started talking because you probably can't hear me now. But once that's at 20 degrees, which that, that's probably too hot, you get quite good at judging it. 20 degrees is colder than I always feel that it should be, if that makes sense. It always feels really cold. But you learn to judge it after a while. See, I know that's still too hot, it's about 25. So once you've got the once you've got the temperature balanced right, if you've got a mixer tap then you can just do it. A lot easier than this. So yeah, that's now showing just over 20, and I'm happy with that. So 21, 22, even 23, I've washed that, and, that's been, and it's been absolutely fine. But then, a slightly messy bit, you put your tank back into the sink, and if you're familiar with Patterson tanks, at least this one, it's got a very small hole in the top, big funnel, small hole, and this pipe just fits into that hole, so you have to do it quick, like that, otherwise you get a big old spray. But then that's now filling the tank with, as near as damn it, 20 degree water. It's now sort of come out the top and we'll just recheck the temperature, which is fine. We're looking at about 22. And I'll leave that for 10 minutes. So I know that the fix is thoroughly washed off the film. And that's the, about the end of this process. So at this point, I will start tidying down, putting chemicals back into their bottles and things. That's what I would normally do, but after I've done recording this, I'm going to just process another, I'm going to process a roll of FP4, so I'll leave them out. Don't worry, I'm not going to keep you on while I repeat the same process. The process is exactly the same. The process for black and white film is exactly the same, as far as I'm aware. All you need to do is adjust your developing times, depending on your films. So, that's cool. We'll leave that washing when we come back. I'll just go through the last few little bits, and then we'll wrap this up. Cheers. Okay, so we are back with just the final stages of the black and white film processing tutorial that we're running through tonight. So, I'm just going to switch that off. That's now had 10 minutes rinsing under 20 degree water. So, we're going to dump that all out. Just straight down the sink, that's just water. And at this point, we are going to open up the tank and get the films out. So there we go. And yeah, as I suspected, one of the rolls of 120 had, was not wound on properly to the point where, yeah, 
one of the uh, an entire frame pretty much is sticking out the edge of the canister uh, out of the edge of the reel now it has developed properly but it is rather kinked so we'll come back to that later that one might be a write-off but the final stage in the processing is or my final stage is a quick rinse in some kodak photo flow now the photo flow um the sorry just trying to do two things at once here the photo the idea of the photo flow is to help the water run off the film a bit a bit nicer so you don't end up with streaks all over it uh, if you just leave it to hang now and it dries you can end up with rather streaky negatives which are a proper pain in the ass so photo flow helps it run off a little bit nicer so i'm just looking at at the so I was looking at the next. These are from my holiday uh, the other week. These ones are from when I. Some of them from when I strapped Andrew's pinhole camera to a ferry. Which sounds a lot worse than it is. Don't worry, Andrew. It was never in any, never in any danger. But using one of my clamps to just stick it on the ferry, they've actually come out quite nice. Look forward to seeing those properly later. So photo flow. Sorry, uh, some people put their photo flow in the tank. Um, in their rinse and swirl it around and then when the when the bubbles have stopped coming out that's when it's done what I choose to do is I fill up a measuring jug put about three quarters of a litre in about 700 750 ml of water and then a couple of drops of photo flow swirl it all around and it gets rather bubbly and then I attach my um, my drying clips uh, one on either end and I'll hold the film it's a lot easier with 120 in than 35 millimeter but I hold it in a U shape in front of me and then one end goes in the photo flow and then you just run the film or I run the film through the liquid so left hand up so it's almost like an L shape left hand down right hand up so you run the film a few times for maybe a minute or so in the liquid <clears throat> in the photo flow mixture that way I know it's got a nice even coverage and in theory it should run off nicely so I'm just doing that now so each all of the film is getting a nice bath in the in the photo flow so that should about do that and then you hold it up again and you can immediately see it running off bubbles and all in a nice uniformed fashion and it's at this point with 95% of the films that I process that I realise that it's soaking wet and I need to get it into my area where I dry the films which is in my downstairs bathroom which is only a few feet away but it's wet and I don't have a tea towel on me so I'm going to turn around, grab a tea towel, drip a load of it all over the floor which I'll have to clean up in a bit, run it through the photo flow again and just grab the bottom end with my tea towel. And as I'm recording, this is where I need a third hand. So I'll let you know now. What I'm going to do is put my phone in my pocket. So it might cut off if my pocket decides to hit the end record button. So if it does, we'll just come back in a minute. But otherwise, I'm just going to walk on through now. And hang it up to dry. So in my downstairs bathroom, which I'm in now, which you'll hear because I've probably got a lot more echoey. Um, just above the window there's a wooden uh, rail which I have some nails and some hooks banged into 
which I then hang my films to dry. They're over a radiator, which is currently switched off because it's nice and warm. But by the morning, they'll be dry. So yep, we're still recording, that's good. So I don't have to re-record that. And now we'll go back for this second roll, which has partly come off. We're gonna try and undo that and save as much as it as we can. That's a shame, but yeah, the last, the last frame at least is very, very creased. But never mind, that's all right, the rest of them are all right. And what have we got on here? Some more. Some more ferry ones and some from a boat trip around the Isle of Wight. Pinhole shots these are, obviously. <laughs> Seems to be what I do at the moment. So we're just going to go through the same process again. So we'll put a clip on one end. Put that on. Clip on the bottom end. So this will be the, the kinked frame on this one. <clears throat> I sometimes worry a little bit that the if you get too much photo flow or not enough photo flow or it doesn't work around the film clip then it will run off a bit wonky and you end up with weird drying streaks so if i put the kinked in at the bottom then in theory that shouldn't matter if it does pull up a little bit there and that's fine we've done that <clears throat> hold it up just let the excess run off and i've left the tea towel in the bathroom because that's what kind of a chump I am. So we'll just cut my hand underneath it and hope for the best. And just clear up any mess afterwards. So it's a very, very technical process, so I've gone all quiet. Sorry about that. So that's now hanging up. So we didn't have a tea towel. I've got a foot covered in photo flow because barefoot. Because why not? So that means when I have a shower later, the water's going to run off my foot very nicely, <laughs> possibly. Anyway, so that's that's it. That is the my. Well, I was going to say quick, but that's not going to be very quick by the time I've edited all this together. But that's my tutorial on black and white film processing. So just to recap, the films the films that I developed tonight were Ilford Delta 100 Pro uh, in 120 form. And a little while I'm going to do an FP4 uh, again in 120. That's got some more pinhole work on it from, from my holiday. But it really is as simple as that. Dev, stop, fix, photo flow. There are other chemicals that some people use. Um, <clears throat> so like archival wash and things. I, I, don't, I don't use them, I'll, I'll admit. I don't really know much about them. I wasn't taught to use them and I haven't had a problem as yet um, by not using them. Whether that means my negs will look garbage in 10 years time, I don't know. I'll check in in 10 years time maybe and let you know. But that is it. So yeah, just now clean up and get on with the next one. So it's gonna take one last little break and I'll come back and wrap this episode up. Okay, so that's, let's wrap up this episode. Now, I said earlier in response to Andrew about short podcasts being the way forward. <clears throat> looks like this one's going to be around the 40-minute mark, so that's possibly the longest one I've done yet. Um, but I think that's acceptable, seeing as I was walking through a process that takes, what, probably half an hour or so. Anyway, don't worry. Next time will be something shorter, I'm sure. I don't want to get, in, I don't want to get into recording really long 
podcast because I feel like I waffle <clears throat> quite a bit. Anyway, so let's wrap this up, which I've said several times, I'm sure. Um, thanks for listening tonight. You can find me, as usual, um, on all the social medias, Neil underscore Piper. Uh, I hang out mainly on Instagram, as I've said before. I do have a Twitter presence, a Facebook presence, probably still a Flickr presence somewhere, although Lord knows what my name is on there. Probably somewhere the same. Um, You can look at my work on my website as well, if you like. That's neilpiper.com. There's both pinhole... Uh, lens-based and some solograph work on there as well, which if you want to look at it on a computer a little bit bigger than Instagram, there you go, head over to there. You can contact me if you like, like Andrew did, with an anchor call-in. You just need the app on your phone. As far as I'm aware, it's iOS, Android, Windows, anything else, as far as I'm aware. Um, If you want, you can also drop me an email, sootandwhitewash at gmail.com be nice to hear from you if you've got anything that you'd like me to talk about any questions any queries anything that i've said in any of these podcasts that you think hang on he's talking crap that doesn't make sense let me know be nice to know if anyone else apart from mike gutterman and m are listening so cool that wraps this one up i shall speak to you soon thank you very much guys have a good evening bye bye